Hey, and welcome to the Get More Students podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Asher, CEO of LearnQ. And I'm Herbert Gerzer, founder of HerbertGerzer.com. And today we're answering quite an interesting question, um, mainly because it's, it's not only a fun thought experiment for Herbert and I, but literally this is we're constantly asked by new entrepreneurs in, in tutoring and language education, how do I start? marketing from scratch. So that's literally what we're going to be talking about today is starting from scratch and how to market a new tutoring business. Um, so one of the I reasons, <laughs> uh, we're talking about because certainly on the LearnCube front, we, you know, we specialize in a virtual classroom software and an online school for tutoring and language companies. So we're constantly asked not just by established businesses, but particularly, you know, people in the very early infancy of their businesses you know, can I use your service? Am I ready for it? And also, how do I go about starting? And that's the bit we're really going to be focusing on is the marketing piece there. Um, and, and Herbert, again, likewise, I know that you focus more on more established businesses because uh, mm. they can afford um, an expert that helps them with Facebook advertising advice. But you're exposed a lot to startups that are asking for more information, aren't you? Absolutely. And even, uh, you know, one person businesses, independent, um, teachers and tutors, uh, seeking advice on, you know, how to market their new school, uh, their language programs, their tutoring services. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've definitely seen, seen, seen quite a lot of different niches and different, um, setups and also come across many successful tutoring businesses that are really doing quite well with their marketing. So really excited to share some insights today. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, so what we think we're going to do today is talk about, you know, how a tutoring entrepreneur can start, um, with their marketing. Uh, we are going to be focusing on, Basically kind of setting up two key areas that you need to think about when starting mm -hmm. the marketing side of your business. Now, if you haven't already and you're a startup um, entrepreneur, please check out our previous episode. We talk about, um, I think it's called how to, how to, how to uh, market a new tutoring business or what was the name of it, Herbert? Uh, probably how to start an online tutoring business. Um, we had That's before. It. Um, but we have had a lot of uh, podcasts on how to market um, language and tutoring programs, as well as using free marketing. Um, so definitely check those out. Yeah. Um, but the one I wanted to focus on was, yeah, uh, what it takes to, to start a business, because that kind of goes into setting your vision, setting up your mission, really understanding why you're in business, your positioning. So mm. all of this stuff you should have already figured out before you get to this episode, which is going to be <laughs> on the marketing side, because you would already have those foundations. Um, but now in terms of the marketing side, we're going to talk about two, uh, and actually Herbert coined this, I loved it, which was <laughs> two stages. You're going to have the main stage, of your marketing efforts, and you're going to have the backstage of your marketing efforts. And I thought this was a really clever way of thinking about your marketing efforts. And we're going to talk about the two. The main stage is what we're really going to be focusing on is this idea of experimenting. Uh, when you're starting out, the most important thing is that you get to product market fit. And so this mm -hmm. main stage is all about you uncovering that product market fit. Whereas the backstage is all about you building your organic reach and that, I guess, the foundations or what will become the foundations of your whole marketing strategy. Herbert, do you have any kind of high-level insights before we kind of get cracking into this? Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to uh, definitely talking about the main stage and kind of setting things up so that you can go out and experiment. Uh, I think a lot of new teacherpreneurs uh, struggle with you know, how to set everything up and you know what is the first step. So yeah, happy to give at least some tips and, and what we have seen uh, works. Yeah. Now, one thing you're always going to hear Herbert on, and I'm going to back him up again, there is no point in you listening to anything further if you haven't gone through the process of, of identifying which niche you want to begin with. Because otherwise, 
you're just going to be shooting completely in the dark. Mm. Uh, so you should really have at least, not that you're fixated on it, particularly if you're early on, but that you've at least gone through that process of figuring out which niche you feel that you can help the most. Because in this main stage, your whole goal is to uncover your product market fit. And that means one market and one product. And the reason we thought this is a fun conversation was this idea of if Herbert and I had nothing else that we wanted to do other than start a tutoring <laughs> business and we had no very little money and we had no real customers or network to kind of just immediately start from, how would we approach it? And uh, we thought that was a, a not only a, an interesting way of talking about it, but it's one that I'm sure a lot of our listeners here are actually going through is how mm. to start from scratch. And so the main thing that we touched on, and actually both Herbert and I are entrepreneurs in the sense that we've um, had to take business LearnCube in terms of the virtual classroom and Herbert, your business in terms of the marketing agency. But we've had to test, and the, the number one thing that we needed to know was, are people going to pay for whatever our products and services? Exactly. Um, that is uh, the number one question, right? <laughs> uh, do people want what I have to offer? And uh, yeah. will they pay for it? Yeah, particularly will they pay for it? Because I remember I, I've, I've had a number of other startup ventures before, Herbert, and I was like dead sure that people would love what I had to offer. And oh, some of them spells. did. They loved what I had to offer, but they were not willing to pay one cent yeah. for what I had to yeah. offer. And so I couldn't sustain a business. I couldn't live that that dream because nobody was willing to, to fund that or, or to pay for that, which in I think in today's age is obviously a must. And people vote with their wallets. So I think it's also a strong sign. If people are not willing to pay for what you do, you have not shown enough value to that end customer. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, the process that we're going to discuss today is pretty similar to the one that uh, I did. I went through yeah. um, not too long ago when starting the advertising agency. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I speak from personal experience. Yeah. It also applies to, to education businesses. Definitely, definitely. So what I think people forget is they they glance over this because they're like, oh, people are buying tutoring anyway. So obviously there's demand for it. And that's not what you're talking about. You're not saying, is there a mark, is there demand for tutoring? What mm -hmm. we're saying is, do people want your particular service and the way that you deliver it at the price you want to deliver it to the people that you want to deliver to and you want to serve? And that's the big differentiation differentiation between just demand for tutoring services and a product market fit where your particular service is chosen over others. Um, so the key thing that we want to get across main stage is to experiment to uncover your product market fit. And the most important assumptions are going to be the product itself, the market itself, and pricing. Mm. Uh, and if you get those three things in order, then you're ready to go into the delivery section, which we'll talk about later. Um, so let's talk about the first one. What would you start with, Herbert? What's the first test that you would create and how would you go about it? Right. I mean, let, let me actually make a differentiation. You, you, let's say you have, I don't know, let's call it six or 700 bucks to yeah. put into this. What would you spend that money on to be able to start your venture? Right. I would create a one-page website. I know that some people uh, don't need a website to sell their services, but personally, I like to have an online presence where yeah. I can direct people to. It's just like a business card online. And so they can see who I am, what I have to offer, and they can contact me uh, um, in an automated way. And so I would create a one-page website, for example, you could use Lead Pages, which is a leading landing page software, um, and you can start free for 14 days. Yeah, I also think that you could use a Facebook page as well. Again, they're free. That's um, right. One thing that I think has changed, I've definitely been in the past being like, you could do it without any website. You just yeah. only have a Facebook <laughs> page. And I don't feel that that's true anymore. And I think it's because when I was starting with my business and businesses previously, 
Facebook, everyone was on it. You know, everyone was on it. And so mm. it really felt like you were going to find your audience. And I really feel that so many people are not on it anymore. I know that I've really discontinued my use of Facebook. And I know that a lot of people are spending a lot more time on, say, Instagram or they're only looking at on Google or they're only using Messenger on Facebook. But it feels that a Facebook page doesn't have quite the same value as it used to, whereas a web page mm. is is a universal. That is something I... I write something in the internet on Google and I can find it. Um, so I really feel that a, a lead page which you brought up, and we actually use that ourselves at LearnCube, is a really smart um, way of creating that first page. But tell me why, tell me how a lead page, like lead pages work. We're, we're using a brand name here, lead pages, but there are other services that do a similar sure. thing. Like Unbounce, I mean, you could even start a Wix page um, yeah. or, uh, you know, any of those those free services. But um, Lead Pages is really great because it's it's a drag and drop system. Um, you can have really strong uh, call, call to actions, which we'll uh, talk about in a second. And uh, for capturing leads and kind of that's our first um uh, a goal really is yeah. to see if we can get people to that first stage. It's not even purchasing or registering in, 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 in a course or a tutoring program. It's to see if they're interested and to have a discussion with us. Um, so yeah, that's why a service like leadpages.com is so valuable. I totally agree with that. So again, just to clarify, lead pages is about not only creating, let's call it your web page easily, but it allows you to also test multiple versions of a web page. And that's the exactly. critical difference is if you create a website or particularly you ask somebody else to build your website, being able to change how that looks, mm. um, the content you use, the messaging you use, not only can it be a little bit harder, but you don't get the information as easily as to whether whatever you did had a positive outcome. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've definitely made mistakes on myself uh, in the past is this. When you create an experiment, only one thing can change. <laughs> uh, when you start, actually, uh, I, I kind of throw that out the window because you're literally just just seeing if anything sticks. Sure. But yeah. as soon as you're past the point where you're at least getting some kind of metric that tells you mm -hmm. you're partially in the right direction, the next step is only change one thing. So it could be you change a color, you change. I would actually ask more, probably more focus on messaging, like words yeah, rather than I would, coloring I would before do. you even start. Yeah, yeah. But Don't even worry about changing and color. Yeah. yeah, maybe changing the headline or changing mm -hmm. the kind of key part of your value proposition. But those are the things you're changing, but only one at a time. And here's the problem. When you're starting out, you don't have a lot of money or enough traffic to run lots and lots and lots of different experiments uh, without spending a lot of money. So you kind of need to make the call on what you're going to experiment on. And actually, have, you probably have some advice on this. Absolutely. I mean, one of the greatest things is to model successful tutoring businesses. <laughs> um, you know, this is something that we do with uh, the ads agency all the time. You know, we uh, when we have get a new client, we have a look at what the what the market is doing, um, the the key players, um, what's working, and usually we have a good gauge on what's working because, for example, if a business has run an ad for months or years even, then you know we can be pretty sure that that ad is doing well or uh, performing. And so we can take inspiration from that, you know, never copy, of course, but you know, what parts um, are, are working? Maybe the, the sort of um, catchy headline, and then you have a video of yourself um, introducing your services, and then some testimonials, for example. The layout is, is a good way to, to model. Um, so yeah, uh, I would absolutely do, do research. Uh, and then um, get your sections together and create them on, on lead pages. Fantastic. So step one, use lead pages or a similar service mm -hmm. to be able to create your one pager. Uh, and and or, uh, sorry, not, sorry, always and, and possibly a Facebook page if you want as well. Sure. Um, and treat it in exactly the same way. So in that about section, make sure you're kind of describing what is about you, your story, your service, and what makes you different. Um, not just, you know, uh, don't spend, 
I'm also probably going to go into things. Don't 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 spend money on a logo or anything crazy like that. No, gosh, no. All you need to do is use your own personality, use your own personal name initially, and if you, because what all you're trying to do is match the product and the market. So what what call to action is there? What's the one thing that people are going to use as the determination of whether that page is a success? I mean, for tutors, I would say a free trial class is is yeah. going to be the one. I mean, that's your main kind of uh, lead generation um, tool is yeah. to get people to test your services. And if they fill out a form, if they schedule a mm-hmm. time for a free trial, then you know that there is interest and then you can go yeah. from there. No, I think that's totally, totally bang on. With LearnCube, we have so many of our the language schools and tutoring companies we off, um, we work with. They have free trials. It mm-hmm. is a, a well known um, way of getting like high, highly high quality and very educated buyers into the right. funnel. Now, let me just caveat that as well. If you send really low quality traffic to this, this is the great way of losing lots of time and having oh, yeah. lots of no-shows. Mm. So critically, when you create a free trial, don't make it free in terms of they only have to put in their email. You want to mm. have that. The whole reason I really like a free trial is it gives you contact. You're buying contact and actual one-on-one time with prospects. Whereas if you actually automated this and said buy now, that's terrible because all the people People that don't buy, you have never had a contact with them. You have no mm-hmm. idea why they didn't buy. Whereas a free trial, during that time, you could be like, "Hey, what did you think about my website? Like, what brought you along?" You can have, you can build that rapport and ask questions that you would otherwise people wouldn't give you the time of day for. Exactly, and feedback is your number one is the number one thing uh, yeah. when starting off. You need feedback from prospects. Yeah. In order to adapt, in order to change your messaging, your offer, your pricing, whatever that is. Um, so yeah, the, the, the more people you talk to, the better. <laughs> That's brilliant. Qualified people. Yeah. So to do this, we've told you how to make a one pager. That call to action will be a, a button, and on that button, there, make sure that you, you create it as a conversion event in that lead page. It's for, just Google how to do it if it's in lead pages or if you're using another service. There'll be a way of just making sure that you're measuring if somebody clicks on that conversion button. Because on that conversion button, you're going to want to show one of two things. Uh, my preference is actually to use a service called Calendly. Again, there are alternatives to Calendly, but that will take you to an easy way for somebody to schedule a time. Mm-hmm. Now, Calendly is a service that provides basically a calendar and you set your own availability and it connects with your own calendar. And one of the reasons I like it is, um, A, they've got a, they've got a free version um, and you can have one free live event. And it's free as long as you like. And one of the reasons that's important is a free trial is going to be for the same duration. So you only need that. You only need their free, t- free tier. It costs you no money. And you can just start seeing if people are going to book you. Now, the thing that I would caveat this is the alternative would be a form, but in Calendly, I'm almost sure you can set uh, questions. You can. Uh, I don't know if – can you make them mandatory? Absolutely, yes. If you can make and them mandatory, <laughs> then you definitely do that. And what are the things that you put in that initial form? Let's start with the absolute minimum, Herbert. Name, email address, yeah. uh, country. And then you want to ask some – kind of pre-qualifying questions. You know, you want to to know a little bit more about this prospect before you get on the call so you can prepare. Uh, that could be something like, you know, what is your occupation? Um, why do you need uh, tutoring services? Or what, yeah. are, what are your goals? Um, you you, you want to get that why uh, yeah. and why they are scheduling a call with you and then you can already prepare for solutions for them on during the free trial yeah and it's also going to give you already you've now got some measurable data right now we are going to be talking about the marketing funnel soon so i'm going to come back to this but just wanted to to put a pin in this idea that the questions that you put in that initial form before somebody schedules the time for you you can use that as a way of increasing the quality 
of the people that attend your trial classes. The longer the form, the more information, the higher the quality lead. The more information you put in there, though, the fewer people will actually do a trial class with you. So you want to start with a nice balance, maybe start mm -hmm. at a low level where you've captured, as, as Herbert says, like, uh, name, email, country is very important because it's very important to understand where your customers or prospects are coming from. And then, uh, probably the number one is, you know, it could just be as simple a, a capsule. Um, actually, you don't want to just say, tell me why you're interested in my tutoring service because otherwise people might just put a dash and then leave it blank. You need yeah. something that somebody has to tell you something about why they're in it. What would you say that question is, Herbert? It's just, it's got to be at least one question. What are your, uh, hmm. yeah, what are your learning goals? Is yeah, quite what are your learning question. goals, probably? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you've already got country and learning goals then. So I think that's already kind of helpful. You may want, um, and that le those learning goals might even effectively tell you the age. You might not need to ask or want to ask the age, but for example, if it's learning for a test, you know they're probably, you know, a, a school test, you know that they're not going to be an adult, for example. Mm -hmm. And so at least, even if they never show up at that trial, you know, oh, okay, this person from this country or these people from these countries mm. are looking for this goal don't show up. So probably I should discount them from the kind of marketing pool that I'm going for. Mm. I mean, another question which I, you know, I think I have on my my form is, you know, when when are you ready to start? Um, nice. You know that that time factor. So you know, all right, immediately, or is it in a few months? Is it next year? Um, that that's a pretty good question to ask as well. And that's so excellent. it also gets the prospect thinking. All right, actually, am I ready to start now? Or you know, actually, no, I'm gonna wait. Yeah. And one of the great things is if they say six months, no problem. Now you've also got a reason to reach out to them in six mm. months time with the email that they've already provided. Mm. So that's not going to be a problem either way. So we've got the one pager. We've got one call to action. It goes to a trial class, which they can book through Calendly. What happens next to Herbert? How do we get people to this lead page? <laughs> right. Uh, traffic. <laughs> Let there be traffic. Right. Um, I mean, there are many ways of driving traffic to your new uh, website or, or landing page. Uh, I mean, time is of the essence here, right? Because in, in order for you to make a decision as to whether or not you have product market fit, you need data, you need traffic, you need people to go through your landing page and to book a free trial if that's what they want to do, if it's compelling enough, and you need to get on calls with people. So I guess the fastest way of driving traffic would be paid traffic. So running some sort of campaign, um, whether that be through Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube, um, exactly. I would recommend Facebook, Instagram, um, just because one, you'll have cheaper traffic um, versus Google, and you can be more creative with yeah. your advertising. I think that's the big point for me. Like Google will get you more people with a lot more intent, but sure. it's so competitive that you're really oh, not knowing yeah. why somebody hasn't purchased with you or, or clicked on your ad. Whereas I feel Facebook not only does it have that targeting, but I think you're going to have a much better, you're going to have a lot more creative license to mm. be able to try things and really push your personality because that's what you're selling initially anyway is your personality. Exactly. And you yeah. just can't do that through a Google ad. No, not um, at all. It's a totally different sell and a different part of the buying cycle. Now, we had a little bit of think about this um, before, Herbert, in terms of <laughs> the minimum you'd need to spend. And here's, here's this. Uh, I'm going to say it. You do need to pay for this traffic. Why? Because you don't have months and months and months and months to be able to build enough organic data mm. to be able to know whether or not you've got product market fit. And when Herbert and I looked at our own like cost per click with our own Facebook ads, we kind of think that you're probably going to have to spend about $500 to get 500 mm. like visitors from that have clicked through yeah. your ad. And so it's going to be 500 bucks for you to be able to know more or less is is what I've even got 
something that people want. Mm. But I think it's a a good investment. Um, yeah. Again, I mean, if you've got the time, if to, to to build organic traffic over six months and be consistent about it, then by all means go ahead. But um, I assume you want to get things running as soon as possible and know for certain that you know you're going after a market that um, wants what you're offering. So I think you know running this little experiment with an ad campaign on Facebook and Instagram is could be a really good idea for for a lot of people. Yeah. I also think it, it's actually a much better experiment. Um, and again, apologies if you don't have that money. I totally understand. But here's not the other reason why it's good to spend that money up front um, rather than uh, spread it out, say, over six months. Like five, $500 in one month is going to get you much better information, much faster mm. with a much lower cost to you compared to $100 a month. And Herbert, you've talked about this with me before as well. There's a point where you're just not getting enough data each day. And also, you're then getting really seasonal data. So what worked yeah. for you, let's say that you started this in January, you know, maybe you're getting, different, um, you're getting different results from the same ad just because the seasonal difference. You know, My buying thought process in January is totally different to my buying thought process in June. Absolutely. Yeah, and and as you said, you know, a hundred dollars a month, or even I, I know that some some people, some businesses spend or test at fifty dollars a month, but um, you're not going to collect uh, reasonable data in order to make a, a decision as to whether or not you know it's the right path for you. So it's better yeah. to spend that budget in a shorter period of time. Yeah. Uh, so what we're really getting at here, if you haven't looked at marketing funnels it's again an area would really encourage you to look at your own research and and yeah again there's so many free resources on google so um there's lots of ways that you can get help and of course listen to these podcasts and the go to um the get more students webinars as well which we run once a month but in the end you're going to have a marketing funnel and this is going and this is what herbert and i have sort of done for you <laughs> uh is it might look like this you spend your 500 dollars and you get 500 visitors and from those visitors, you're going to get a certain number of people that look at your one-page website and they say, yes, I'm going to try a free trial with Herbert, for example. And we reckon you're probably only going to get maybe even four or five people out mm-hmm. of that 500, those 500 visitors um, that are actually going to sign up for a free trial. So it's costing them nothing. But remember that they're they're paying for their time. So that's why sometimes you're surprised why people don't buy for free. They're still making an investment, whether they use your free trial or somebody else's. But let's say 500 visitors turns to four free trials. Maybe you get two purchases. And the next thing to figure out is what is the value of each of those purchases, each of those students? And it's really important not to think of what do they buy in terms of their first package. It's important. Like, let's say that they only buy five classes. That doesn't mean that their lifetime value is five classes times the price per class. Let's say it's $20, which would be $100. Lifetime value is different. And Herbert, how do you normally kind of like there? You can look on Google again for like a, a much more detailed version of lifetime value, but a simpler version, Herbert, do you have one? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you what we use as lifetime value is how much uh, a customer spends with you over their lifetime. Okay. So it's revenue. Right. And, and so typically the easiest way for you to kind of estimate this is the number of tutoring weeks times the number of classes they do or sessions they do with you each week times the price per class. So, for example, let's say you're starting out, you haven't got much. Let's just say you know that you're going to have to do more in terms of improving the service to be able to improve retention over time. But basically, you're going to, let's say it's eight weeks, two months that they're going to stay with you. Each week, they're going to do two sessions with you. So it'll be eight times two. And let's say that your price per class is $20. Then that means your total lifetime value of each tutoring student is going to be $320. So if we push that back into the marketing funnel, 500 visitors, four trials, two purchases, 
that's now $640 return on that $500 investment. So, uh, again, not a, a, an amazing return, but at least what we want you to feel confident in is that, A, there could be a return, but, B, that's not the point of this whole exercise. Mm. You're actually, in a way, you're paying. If you, if you, Even if you pay for it, if you pay for somebody to tell you this is your product market fit, that is worthwhile. That is worth yeah. money, money being spent. And I think that's the mentality that you need to have when going into this. Yeah, it's it's definitely an investment. Um, whether, whether or not it works out, um, I think it's worth it anyway because yeah. it's going to save you time in the long run. Yeah. So one of the next things, so we talked about the product you know, that you're going to choose and how you're displaying that on your lead page. We talked about your marketing, which will involve some kind of Facebook ad. So again, you will have some like marketing uh, to test your messaging. And again, there's lots of experimentation. You can actually see how we've talked about experimentation in previous podcasts. But the next thing you need to test, not before, is actually your pricing. <laughs> and how would you go about testing pricing, Herbert? Well, uh, I mean, hopefully you get a lot of free trials in, which means you speak to people and you've kind of got to, got to, got to test different price levels, uh, high, higher price levels for, for some people and maybe mid to lower price levels to see kind of what sticks and to find kind of an average price, so to say. I mean, I, I would hope that uh, tutors are charging more than uh, $15, uh, $20 an hour. I know it's a very competitive market, but um, I feel that <laughs> tutors can charge uh, more than that. So um, it, it's better to sell uh, l- less high-value customers than more low-value customers, um, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. So I think this is something that I, I feel that some t- tutors might miss is this concept of so you are right in terms of a lower price typically means that people buy more of it. But yeah. up to a point and it's not yeah. it's not the perfectly linear kind of solution that you might think, but you have to think about it in terms of proportions and what you're looking for is the sweet spot. Because, for example, we talked about a $20 price per class. Let's say that you had the same. So we talked about 500 visitors, four trials, two purchases, $640 return because I'm charging $20 a session. What if out of those four trials, you test two different prices? One is $20 an hour and one is $40 an hour. Now, let's say that two of those purchases are actually at the $40 an hour. Now you're doing, you're getting twice the return for half the amount of work. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important. Now they may that may, maybe they balk at that, but that's still fine. At least you have tested your pricing with those four by offering two of them a low price at say twenty dollars, and another two at a high price of forty dollars. Now let's just say that the only two buy that buy are the ones that are twenty dollars an hour. Well, at least you then know that my price has to be closer to twenty dollars compared Mm -hmm. to $40. And so the next set of experiments, you might drop the price from $40 to maybe it's $35. But you you probably don't want to suddenly go straight to $25 because it won't give you enough of a difference Mm -hmm. to know what you want because ideally you want your price as high as possible so that you can offer the best value and the most service to your customers. Exactly. Because the opposite is the the opposite, right? The, The lower your prices the less you can really invest in each student and probably the less impact you're going to have on that person, the less committed they're going to have, um, they're going to be. And so there's a whole bunch of reasons why a low price is actually a really, really bad idea. It's a super bad idea, and you can only go down to zero, right? There is there is a limit to, to, to decreasing your price, um, and you, you don't want to play in the low price uh field because uh it's just uh, yeah very difficult yeah and what you're offering particularly if you're starting out is you're offering your personality there Mm -hmm. is only one of you your uniqueness that's why you're not selling at the lowest price because you're not selling a system you're selling a person in a way your personality your uh yeah your your kind of unique 
product market fit is what we're really looking for here. So you don't feel that you have to start at the bottom of the market because you're learning. I would say the opposite. The first thing you're trying to test is what does my market initially perceive my value as? Now that can change over time. So if that's sure. low initially, don't don't feel like that's you forever. Um, but either way, you're just trying to learn something, and that's the point of this experiment. So we've talked about main stage. Um, uh, one of the things that I am so often uh, confronted by, possibly a lot more so than even you, Herbert, because with LearnCube we provide, as I say, a virtual classroom made for language teaching and tutoring and also a, like a full all-in-one we call it our online school, online school like for an individual teacher and online school premium for a, a school. So we're, we're, we're a how, how to, how to deliver online tutoring. Now, the number of people that come to us that have never delivered a single class but say, are you the right tool for me? I don't want to serve you because I want you to have a business first and mm. then you, we, we're kind of like in a service that you'll need once you kind of have some customers, particularly our yeah. online school you know, services. So, uh, what I, what I see a, a lot of wasted time is how you deliver the class. What curriculum should you use? All of these things, which are actually irrelevant, until you have students. Paying customer. <laughs> so, one of the biggest things that I want to get across to anyone that's starting up is: don't start with how you're going to deliver your classes. Don't start with your curriculum. Don't start with fancy advertising, your logo, and all of these things. Simply start with the kind of process we're talking about here. Test the product. With it. Your first test is the website. It is not the curriculum. Your mm -hmm. second thing is about testing your marketing. It is not whether or not you know, you're going to start with this grammar point or that grammar point or you're going to offer these flyers or these worksheets and that kind of thing. That is not the thing that you need to experiment with first. Um, it is your product market fit, your, your marketing funnel, and your pricing. And then we get into delivery because delivery is all about retention. And that just means that people stay. So obviously, if you have a bad service, people will leave. They will tell you it was a bad service. Um, but that feedback is going to be really immediate and really, really obvious to you, hopefully, because people will just simply stop buying with you. Um, that's the first indication that what you have is not serving the purpose. But um, that's my rant. And apologies for that. Herbert. Do you have any other thoughts on the delivery section. It's just we see it so often. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's 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 about getting that feedback again um, from your the services that you delivered, and hopefully customers will be open about um, their experience. And you need to adapt then your program, your curriculum, your way of um, uh, facilitating um, your you know the classes um, and. I guess another thing that uh, a lot of uh, new entrepreneurs uh, have a challenge with is, you know, the payment. You know, in order to solidify a you know a business relationship, you know, they're not a customer until they actually pay. Um, and I know that we probably don't want to recommend um, this this service, uh, but you know, it's it's the the easiest and fastest way to to, to get started. With PayPal, uh, I know I know you're not a fan, Alex. <laughs> but no, I mean, hey, to, to start off, yeah. With. I just want to clarify as well. So we're not recommending it because we don't think it's a great service. Or we actually think it charges extortionate fees. Mm -hmm. But the point here is not to test your payment your payment gateway. Your your point here is to test your product market fit. So I just see that as just part of the cost of you exactly. knowing what your business is. And if you're starting out, why don't we just make it easier for you and just say it's it's higher cost, but it's super easy to start, and we know that everyone's comfortable with paying on it, yeah. so uh, that's why we suggest it. And, and you can choose something else in the future, but before you worry about credit cards and using, you know, Stripe is, for mm -hmm. example, the the service we use for for credit cards. PayPal we just find is a lot more universal um, and easier to get started with. So start with PayPal um, because you can basically, once you've got an account, it's very easy to start one, and then you just send a link with an invoice. Um, so you don't even think, don't, again, don't worry about what your accounting system is. That's not important until you have a business. Start with PayPal, just you can create. Payment. Yeah, you just catch the payment and great. As soon as you've got one payment, you are in business. Yes. Uh, until you 
have that payment, you are not a business. You are a, either a charity or your own hobby. <laughs> um, the other thing is on tech. Like, of course, LearnCube would love to support any tutoring company or any tutoring entrepreneur. Um, we do have a free tier. Um, but actually, look, if you want to use Google Meet or Zoom or anything else, that's totally fine too. There's a way for you to deliver online tutoring. Um, but if you also wanted, for example, if you're an English language teacher and you wanted to a curriculum as well, we also offer a subscription for $38 uh, per month, and you get both the technology, which is the virtual classroom, and you also get the curriculum already embedded in that virtual classroom. So that's, again, a much faster way for you to do it. And look, even if you join for one month while you're doing this experiment, which is all about that product market fit, you can at least say, I know what that would look like within that one month because I've spent my $500 in that month. I've got my 500 visitors in that month. I've got my four trials that I delivered through LearnCube, for example, and I've also now got paid for those while using a professional service. So that can all be done in one month. And then you can cancel all of these. Like Calendly was free. Lead pages, you can start with their free trial. Um, all of this you can know within a four to six week period, which costs you very little money. Yeah. Uh, so we've done a lot here today, Herbert. We've talked about yeah. the, the main stage. But what we haven't talked about is the backstage. Yes, uh, which is also um, very important is to really – Build your foundations, um, yeah. so your organic channels of traffic to your landing page or website. Um, and this takes time, and this is why we kind of said backstage, because this does not happen overnight. Um, you're looking kind of minimum six months, really, um, to build a following or a community on your chosen social media platform, Again, this is, depends on where your audience is. That could be Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, possibly a YouTube channel with videos uh, and educational content. Um, but you, the, you need to start as soon as possible. The sooner the better. Um, yesterday, uh, because you know time, uh, you you need time to build these channels. Yeah. Um. We talked about the goals of what the backstage of your marketing is, and, and, and we talk it again because it's behind the scenes. This is something that I think people get in reverse. A lot of people start with backstage because it's quieter. Uh, no one's seeing you. You're not having to put any money down. Uh, it's mm. all free. Um, but that's not, again, where we're wanting you to start your efforts because it takes too long for you to get an answer. And you might be optimizing the wrong thing, whereas that's why we really t focus you on the on the main stage of your marketing. But with this backstage, there's two, well, really three goals. You're wanting to legitimate, legitimize your business. You want the ability to run ads. So, for example, you can't run ads, I don't believe, without a Facebook page, right? Herb? No, you need a Facebook page in order to, yeah. Uh, verify that you are a real business yeah. uh, and to, to, in order to run ads. And so we've got legitimize your business, ability to run ads, and then also basically to start your organic traffic. Like there's no, there's no ifs or buts about it. Like that, those are the, the main goals. Now, we kind of looked at it again. We were like, mm, but we definitely want to encourage as much creativity when, when you choose your different channels that you try out. So if you think that you can win on TikTok, brilliant. Go for it. There's probably a lot less competition there. Uh, if you can nail it on Instagram, uh, Instagram, again, there may be fewer people than, say, on Facebook because Facebook has become, I guess, the default social media. If you can make it happen in Twitter, brilliant. Um, so we don't want to kind of say don't do those things or don't try and be creative. But if, if you don't have any preference, we would highly, highly recommend starting with Facebook, one. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's got the easiest way if you do the, the advertising experiment that we talked about with the main stage marketing uh, part of of this discussion but it'll also verify that you're a genuine teacher so as you build posts um, the great thing about Facebook actually when I think about it Herbert is you can't fake it right you have a post and that is time stamped so that's why people when they look at your Facebook page if they see a mm. hundred posts and they're all done in the last hundred days they're like mm, well you know you're definitely a startup business can I trust you 
Whereas mm. if you've already started your Facebook page six months ago and you mm. see a post every month, I'm like, wow, okay. The fact that this person is at least stuck to a schedule shows me that they're consistent. It tells me a lot. Right? Like I can just look at the timestamps and I'm already I'm going consistent, professional, consistent voice, has a brand, has a personality that I like. Okay, these mm. are great things. And then the second thing is about YouTube. Um, why? Because you can use video, and I'm going to definitely give the, the microphone to Herbert about video. But why is it important to have your own YouTube channel? Probably because you're going to need those YouTube videos on potentially your, uh, your one-page landing page. You don't mm-hmm. have to, but we would definitely encourage that uh, because you can get your personality, your energy across and much better. Um, but it's going to come into uh, the Facebook page as well and the performance and ads. So, Herbert, tell us all about how you would recommend somebody focus on the backstage part of their marketing. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of video um, just because people really see uh, who you are and you can you can show much more of yourself and behind the scenes of your, your business uh, than you can with just a, a photo. Um, and it's just more authentic. Um, but I know that a lot of tutors might, might have a bit of apprehension um, to get in front of the camera, but it really um, does pay off to be active on, uh, again, those social media platforms that you're choosing. And it doesn't necessarily have to be um, YouTube for video because you can do video on all of those platforms that, that we discussed. Uh, but it's it's a great kind of main spot because it also acts like a, a Google search, right? So um, if you were to create educational content for your specific niche and your specific niche, Google's uh, English um, lessons or maybe idi- business idioms for salespeople, whatever that is, uh, and you created a video exactly on that topic, then it would show up on Google uh, and they would watch your YouTube video and it acts uh, as you know a lead generators. And then they would go to your landing page and if it interests them, then they would sign up for a free trial. So um, I think YouTube is a fantastic way, as you said, to legitimize your business, to provide engaging content and a fantastic way in the medium to long, long run of creating organic traffic for your business. Brilliant. So we have covered a lot today. Um, <laughs> I've really enjoyed this conversation. And again, thanks so much for coining these um, these ideas. I don't know if you coined them or not, but I thought that they were pretty brilliantly. <laughs> this idea of you having, in your marketing, you have a main stage and you have a backstage, particularly when you're starting out uh, with your tutoring business. The first most important thing to get across is the main stage part, which is experiment to uncover your product market fit. The key things you need to figure out is whether or not there is demand and people want to buy your product and service. You need to create a marketing funnel to understand that, which will involve this one-pager, a call to action, and an ability to pay eventually after they've done a free trial. We talked about um, the delivery being, of course, important, but it only ever happens once you have a customer. So everything else has to happen before you worry about the delivery. Um, you focus particularly on that that front part of the uh, of the funnel, which is will somebody buy my service? And then it's all about the delivery is the retention bit. How can I make people love it so much that they tell other people about it and that they stay for longer? And then we talked about the backstage part of your marketing, which is all about building those strong organic channels early, um, but without getting wrapped up in them, because again, your focus is all about that main stage. Uh, but building up those organic track uh, channels and feeling really good about it. So I hope you've enjoyed sure. today. Uh, Herbert, have I forgotten anything? No, I don't think so. Uh, it was a great chat, Alex. I really enjoyed it too, and I hope you have um, as well. If you'd like to learn more about LearnCube, for example, you can find us at www.learncube.com. Now, my accent's always a bit funny, so C-U-B-E <laughs> is what I mean, learncube.com. Um, and you can learn about, um, particularly if you're starting out, it's more likely to be our virtual classroom product. But if you're more of a professional independent teacher, our online school light is probably the product you want to look at. And if you're a language school or tutoring business that's already a little bit more established and you're managing other tutors, you'll be looking at our online school.
premium solution. And if you're um, at that level as well, you could be very interested in what Herbert does. So Herbert, tell us a little bit about your business and who you help. Absolutely. I mean, I run an advertising agency specialized in helping language schools and education businesses generate more leads and more enrollments for their programs via paid traffic. And yeah, we basically offer uh, a done-for-you service where we take over a business's complete paid ad strategy and run that on a month-to-month business. Um, to find out more, uh, go to herbertgerza.com. That's great. And what kinds of business stage do you work with, Herbert? Um, do you tend to work with like a minimum value or like a, a minimum size of of business? So I wouldn't say a minimum size. Of, uh, I wouldn't say, you know, for example, uh, you know, you have to have a minimum of 500 students or 300 teachers. We work with one person businesses to networks of language schools. So um, it really depends, you know, what what stage of the the business you're in. Um, I would say that the minimum ad spend per month to make uh, make it feasible and to make sense in order to um, retain our services is 1500 USD per month. Fantastic. Also, uh, uh, the reason I bring that up is this, what we've talked about is often for newer people coming into the, mm. into, into tutoring. I would highly recommend you start with doing your own marketing. So when you're yes, starting out, please <laughs> do not outsource your marketing to somebody else. You, you don't need to be the best marketer to get your first 20 customers, but you have to be able to get 20 customers before you can get anybody to do your marketing. Exactly. So that's one thing I wanted to make really clear out of today is, uh, don't tap uh, Herbert just on the, the shoulder <laughs> just yet. Um, this is something that everybody will need to kind of go through and get right before they move on to that next stage of their marketing and business career. Great advice, Alex. Yeah. Um, well, I hope that we've offered value. The thing that we really want to do, this is obviously a free podcast and we have other free events, including our Get More Students uh, webinar, which we do once a month, which you can learn again more from uh, learncube.com. But we offer this because we want to provide ideas, inspiration, and motivation to tutoring and language entrepreneurs. Um, so make sure you hit the subscribe button. We do um, have these podcasts regularly. Um, so if you hit subscribe, you're going to get uh, a new shiny version um, as soon as it's out. So thanks again. Hit that subscribe button, and we look forward to hearing more from you soon. See you in the next one.